0: You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive Scottish football content. Hi folks and welcome to the latest episode of the SM Media Scottish Football Show. I'm Scott McPike, it's an absolute pleasure to be your host as always. I'm going to say just before we start this show, this is probably going to be a bit of a roller coaster because as we all know, VAR is now implemented in Scottish football and the fears we had of whether VAR would dominate the podcast is certainly coming to fruition. To join me on this week's episode, I'm delighted to welcome former Celtic Motherwell-Ross County player, former For manager, Paul Lawson. Paul, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on.
1: Thanks, Scott. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on.
0: I'm looking forward to this. It's great to have you on. Obviously, Banks of but we'll go into that in a minute. And it's a pleasure to welcome back Lewis Anderson. Lewis, it's a pleasure to welcome you on. Thanks for joining me again.
2: Thanks very much, Scott. Yeah, as you said, a historic weekend for Scottish football. So looking forward to delving into it.
0: And the thing with historic weekends is there's usually a lot of talking points and this is going to be no different. I think we're going to have a busy show, but... Paul, before we get into talking about the weekends action, obviously back playing with, with Banks of D, obviously left for Martin in the summer. What's it like back playing with a team like Banks of D obviously being promoted? What's it how's it been like? Can kind of I back into playing and can kind I of leave in management? How's it been since you've went back into Banks of D? Uh,
1: first of all, it's been great. The club have been fantastic. Um, I think for me, due to the management side, i probably stopped playing properly <coughs> sooner, sooner than I really should have. Um, and that and that comes when and you learn from things, you know, people said to me I couldn't do the player. Well, not me personally, but the player management role is very difficult. I thought I could do it, but ultimately my, my playing time sort of took a hit. So when leaving there, I, I've almost had a scratch need nitched. You know, I just wanted to get back playing. Um, even if it's for one season, but I'll see my my body holds up and if I can get a couple of scenes out, it'll be be fantastic. And But, you know, on the whole, the club's been great. Uh, great bunch of lads and, and almost an historic season for the club, mm-hmm. you know, get first season in the in Highland the League. So that was exciting as well and and a good challenge. And speaking to the manager in the summer, I think he just felt there was a number of boys in the team hadn't played at that level before. So taking in likes of myself and, and Neil Gall from brewery yeah. and just a bit of experience to, to help the boys along. Um, so I just... I think I'm going in and just wanting to enjoy as much as I can. I picked up a few little niggly injuries, which I guess is to be expected, having not played for so long. But um, no, the club have been very supportive, and, and let's like say it's it's been great so far.
0: And obviously, this weekend was meant to be a, a Scottish Cup occasion. The club obviously had a bit of a, an issue, but how has it been? Like one thing that, you, that stands out to the Highland League is you you know yourself obviously being there for the past couple of years with Martin. As is, is that it's a really good standard this year. There's a lot of teams cannot. And amongst the top Likes are breaking. Obviously, a great start. Bro is there. Bucky Thistle but Obviously, defending champions. It's a really good standard in that league this year. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think even the teams that, that finished sort of near the bottom of the table last year, um, you know, the likes of your uh, Turriffs and, and Lossiemouth. You see a, bit, a big change in them this year. That and mm-hmm. um, picking up points early door. So it's it's certainly a, a, a strong league this year, um, and, and we've added to that. Um, as well, banks of these. So um, it's it's great to see, and it, it just shows. Um, I think for a couple of years when Cove were there, they, they kind of almost ran away with it in a sense that I think they lost the last season before they went up, they lost one game, I think. So um, it seems to be, you know, there's more competitive games, and certainly there's, there's probably more of like a top six, seven rather than a top four, um, all capable of taking points off each other. So it's not, it's to it's be a good season. Yeah,
0: absolutely. We'll touch a wee bit in the the Highland League later on in the show, but Lewis, let's before we get into talking about the the games, just an, an individually crazy weekend. You you were at St. Mirren the United. You saw VAR first hand. What is it like as a as a spectator to see this? Because I've never been at a game with VAR, so you've beat me to that race. What's it like to see a VAR what in the flesh?
2: incredibly strange um it's gonna take a bit of time to for everyone I think to get used to um particularly some of the speed um of the the, the decisions that uh, were being made I mean we only had um one kind of real major talking point yesterday but uh, it took over three minutes to kind of resolve um which is something that over the course of time will have to speed up um you know fans are but we're, we're, we're growing increasingly frustrating with each passing second. So, um, but ultimately, um, it uh, it will probably benefit the game in the long run. I think. Um, we know we've seen it uh, down south, um, for for a number of years now. Um, albeit that they're probably making some calls recently that have been slightly questionable. Um. So, uh, yeah, but uh, no, I think um, both managers in particular as well spoke afterwards and they seem to think that uh, it uh, will um, bed in quite well. Um, Stephen Robinson, he was particularly um, offered a lot of credit to the, the way the match officials handled it, the situation yesterday, um, uh, which we'll come on to discuss, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's very strange. It will take a bit of a time to acclimatise too, um, but uh, I think ultimately in the long run it will prove highly beneficial.
0: Let's start with the, the, the game that probably has the most talking points of the weekend in terms of VAR and just overall kind of energy because this game had everything, I think, you can get. Hearts 3, Celtic 4. Celtic obviously come from behind to win. Lauren Shankland, the first player to score a hat-trick against Celtic domestically since 1982, which is a, a stat I couldn't quite believe. But, Paul, oh, before we get into talking about the decisions, this game was literally non-stop it was I mean if you were a, if you were a neutral you certainly get your money's worth on Saturday
1: yeah I think even before if you hadn't even seen the game just looking at the result you think wow that must have been a cracker and like you say you throw in a, a few of the the talking points and it, it it just makes for for more discussion but um you know uh, Lawrence Shankland uh, he's proven you know a goal scorer um, and it's and he's he's certainly hit the ground running Um with Hearts so it's a good start for him and like you say scoring three alright couple of penalties but you still uh, still put the ball in and it's great for him but um yeah incredible incredible game When you when you kind of look
0: at this game like Paul were Hearts unlucky not to get anything from the game because I think on the one hand when we kind of watch this game Hearts were constantly putting the fight up to Celtic Celtic obviously were going to dominate possession Hearts were riddled with injuries and have been for the majority of the season Hearts were just fighting in the game constantly, but Celtic had to claw back so many times just to get back into the game, come from behind, and it was just one of those games It was so frantic that if it was a draw, both teams would have probably been all right with it. But how much credit did Celtic deserve for actually just kind of winning the game and the end up?
1: Yeah, massive credit. Um, I think looking at the way Celtic have been um, under sort of post it's sort of come out the traps flying and see the blow teams away in the in the first sort of half hour even first half say so if your heart's kind of looking at it you, you get your noses in front and, and then get pegged back again and at three three you're probably thinking right we'll take a point um and but then you know Celtic keep going and but I think it just shows you the, the, the depth of Celtic squad mm-hmm. that you know they've got people that come on and change the game and and you know Greg Taylor coming on you I guess I don't think he was getting put on to, to score the winner, but it, it turned out that way. It just shows you that, um, you know, that's the, the squad that they they have. But you can see in, in Robbie Nielsen's comments after the game, he was really disappointed in terms of he felt they should have really got something out of the game. Um, so, you know, I think scoring three goals at home for the old firm, you, you would like to think you would get at least a draw. Um, so, the, no, they will be disappointed. Um, I think a lot of people always say anything you can get against the old firms a bonus, but certainly so, I when you're in the positions they were in, then then they will be disappointed with that.
0: Lewis, the the decisions obviously did an impact massively on the game. The those three that obviously stick out and are they are contentious. Those we will probably all three of us will probably have different opinions on them. But VAR did do its job. It did when it was asked to to work. It did work for one of the, the situations the first one I want to touch on is the the Ralston disallowed goal now my understanding of that is if the referee blows the whistle before that before Ralston heads that ball VAR cannot interfere is that right
2: yes yeah yeah I'm of the exact same mindset um yeah um I find that a strange strange call um I must say, uh, I don't see what the issue was personally. Um, for me, I think um, it should have should have stood. Um, so yeah, no, uh, I agree with you there, Scott.
0: And there's no does there's, there's no doubt in my mind about the the hearts penalty. It's a it's a pretty stone wall penalty. It's, it's it is yeah yeah. yeah. I um, mean, it's the thing that gets me is that how's it not given in normal time because yeah that, that, that that, that's exactly what
1: like I think four. that's the worry. Why? Why it wasn't given in the first place? Yeah,
0: but that is that's that's what VARs for. That's like if if there's a contentious decision, Lewis, as as I as you just pointed out two minutes ago about the the time it took for the the referee to get to get told to go and have a look at St. marin, it was the same at this game. Why um, is it taking? Why will? It, why is it taking so long? Why is it? I know we're only a, a weekend in, and it's still to be ironed out, and that, but. Three and a half minutes it took for the referee to have a look. Surely if that is a contentious decision, the referee should be called over almost instantly. Because at the end of the day, VAR's not there to re-referee the game. VAR's there to be a tool. So why is the referee not been yes. asked to go straight over? Yeah,
2: yeah. Because you would have thought, you know, if there was any kind of element in Nick Walsh's mind, that you would have immediately gone over to the monitor. Um and the fact that, you know, you let play continue um i am thinking of another decision um but you know if there is any in any doubt he needs to be going over to the monitor straight away and you know communicating with his colleague um at uh the caledonia house um because you know the longer you know football fans they, they uh they've got a, a, a short enough fuse as it is. They won't want to, to be spending, you know, four or five minutes waiting for a, a, a decision to be made. Um and, and in particular with this scenario, it's fairly clear cut. I'm not sure exactly where Nick Walsh is positioned for the hearts penalty, but it's quite clear Cameron Carter Vickers brings Devlin mm. and catches Devlin first. And, uh, you know, I, it's, it's a strange one. I mean, I, I do, fair enough, the referees, it is new to them as well and it is going to take time, but they have received, you know, training on this over the last year, I believe. Um, so they should kind of be up to, up up to, you know, standard with it by now. Um, so certainly it's something that they're going to have to improve over the coming
0: weeks. And then the third one is obviously this, the penalty with the the penalty that wasn't with Michael Smith now Michael Smith knows that as his hand now I I do think it's a penalty I do think it is a penalty but VAR doesn't interfere now is that beca- I'm I, I know I'm probably giving you the I'm turning you into China Charlie Richmond here Lewis but I'm asking you referee questions that I'm watching as a fan thinking what is that why is why is VAR not interfered there because even even if it's a contentious decision, surely it it should interfere. Is that a penalty? Is is that a handball? Is that a deliberate handball from Michael Smith?
2: Yes, in my opinion it is. Clearly strikes his forearm. Um, I think anyone that watched Sports Scene as well last night sees that back. You're know, you completely mythed as to why that's been totally missed by VAR. So VAR has been introduced with the idea that it's (coughs) going to on any minor incident, yeah. we're talking fingernails. You know, it's it's that minuscule. So a a, a clear handball inside the box. It's quite clear. Fair enough, Michael Smith. He's not got his arm arm raised, but he's got it out. It, it's it's out on his left hand side. It's away from his body, and it clearly strikes his hand. So for VAR to miss a decision like that completely myths me. I, I don't know who was the, the VAR. Um, Stephen McQueen. VAR. Yeah, well, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm totally miffed by that, to be honest. Um, it's a, a really, really weird, weird call to let that one go.
0: Paul, what's the three VAR, the, the three things that VAR interferes with, what's your thoughts on them? Do you think they're, what's your overall opinion on the decisions? Do you think that the, ref, the referee was, was right to not blow for the penalty for the third one. Look, your, get, give us your opinion on the... the no, well, I think
1: obviously the, the first one with the, the uh, Cutter-Vickers one, as I said, I think the worry was being, from my <laughs> memory, I think it was right... In, the referee was almost looking right at it. So I think the worry is, why is he not given... Why is he not seen that decision? But, you know, I guess you could argue, well, VAR's, Var's done its job, because I think we all agree that that was a penalty. And uh, Certainly the one it wasn't given, I think, were... We're probably on agreement it was a penalty as well and I think that's where I'm at going well why hasn't VAR interfered with that um, and I think we all seen seen the look on, on his face he knew it was a penalty as well didn't he you know and um, and he's got away with one sort of thing so I think yeah it's um, I think we've seen down south how long it's taken and there's there's still decisions that people aren't in agreement so as you said it's the first weekend so you know, I think, I mean, it's not the only game. We'll probably talk about others that the the has been involved. And um, I think, I don't know whether it's going to be like this every week or it's just the, the luck, unfortunately, um, that it was the week one. But, yeah, there's a number of decisions that we um, certainly been talking points. It's ironic that was
2: going to happen as well in week one, given how <laughs> it went seamlessly at Easter Road on Friday night,
0: I thought. <laughs> Aye, I mean... I- <laughs> it's that thing as well. And I kinda wanna really ask your thoughts on this, Lewis, like after the game, the usual thing that we kind of see when that when things go against like John Hartson in the studio saying about that Celta had to beat two teams today. That I don't agree with that route going that direction with why bring why is that is that playing to a gallery or is that really insinuating something that you believe that something's on towards with VR already
2: yeah 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 i think um the for, 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 for a for a pundit like john hartson to come out with a line like that i thought was um poor from him to be honest he normally he normally comes out and he he gives a fairly good assessment um but uh, yeah some of his post match comments yesterday i thought were a bit um strange to say the least um I, I, I felt he was kind of playing up a bit to the public, as you say, um, with with those. And, um, you know, I think Hearts deserve a fair deal of credit yesterday. As yeah. you said, you mentioned, you talked about the, the amount of injuries they, they've got. They lost Stephen Humphreys as well in the first I've got to remember Shanklin didn't even start the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to Bagahatrick's impressive. So, I don't feel he, he really gave Hearts um, enough credit um, for yesterday's performance. Um, so... Yeah, yeah, some some strange, some strange things he said.
0: But a massive one for Celtic, obviously. The result at Ibrox means they go four points clear at the top of the table. Rangers a very frustrating performance. One-one draw against Livingston. Livingston deserve enormous credit. An early goal for Joel Newblin, they just made Rangers frustrated. They just a typical Livingston game plan against our, our team like Rangers. They just make it hard and Rangers just couldn't get anything going. A late goal from John Lundstrom rescues a point, but Lewis is now looking very, very bleak for Rangers at the moment. We spoke in this show last week that after a Liverpool game, that Rangers would need to put in a serious performance to ease tension after that Liverpool defeat. That's been three in a row where it's been very dull. And now to the point where I'm asking what is actually the, the attacking plan here because one thing, and I want to get Paul's thoughts on this later on, if you're a manager and you have Jack Fitzwater and Obelai against you, two really physical players in the d- defence for Livingston, the last thing you should be doing is putting crosses into the box. Now, that's what I want to get Paul's thoughts on as a manager. Would you do that? But Lewis, how bleak does the situation look for Rangers at the moment? Because it's just not... I mean, when you're getting booed off two games in a row and losing points at home and the league gets... It doesn't bode well. Yep.
2: Yeah. The, the last couple of performances have just been shambolic, really. Um, they're lacking sev- a lot of creativity. Um. I, in particular, I thought the amount of crosses that came in from the left hand side yesterday, I think you see the, the amount of times Ryan Kent, his final ball into the box, let him down again. Um. You know, he's been a, a player that uh, Rangers fans have been particularly. Um, frustrated with this season given the, the drop off in his uh, level of performance this season um, and yeah Livingston yesterday deserve a lot of credit the way they kind of set up and um, David Martin Taylor once again and um, kind of gunned Van Bronkhorst yesterday yeah. and uh, I think you could hear by the the, the, the boos that the, the, the team received at the end of the match and even at half time um, were, were merited Um they just it was an insipid day. They really lacked um, any kind of. They never really looked like scoring. You know, they they had a lot of opportunities in the game, and and you know they could have even stole it at the end with with Lundstrom just heading over. But he just had that feeling that it was going to be one of them days for 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 uh, Rangers. You know, they'll be they'll be pleased in a way that they've got a result. But in terms of Van Broncourt's position. Um, he, he certainly would have wanted a a much more kind of convincing win, especially given their the their their the flat display against Dundee in midweek as well. Um, you know, Van Bronkos, I think he spoke in his press conference afterwards that he does feel like he can turn around this situation. He does realize the fans' frustration, but it's the quality on the pitch. They might be able to to churn out results of late, but it's been the performances have been incredibly um abject. Um, you know, and I understand, you know, there's been a lot of kind of murmurings in the background about um the the, the you know the there's been a lot made about the Rangers recruitment in the summer, you know, Antonio Tulak's kind of been the only real success story. Um and you know whether or not Van Bronkhorst has had a, a huge um say in the actual signing of players, you know, the likes of Rid Van Yulma barely kicked a ball. Um so you know I understand he has to work with the players. There's too many big game players at the moment. The likes of your Lundstroms, your Kents, your Taverniers even, that just look completely off the boil and in in need of a rest. And uh, this this run between now and uh, the World Cup break is going to be really important for Rangers. They need to continue to keep grinding out results. Um, Otherwise, any kind of, you know, another defeat for Van Bronkhorst and um, the Ibrox board might have to act soon.
0: Paul, obviously, when a team like Livingston go up, go one 0 up after five minutes, it's any game plan you have goes out the window because Livingston will obviously just Livingston go there with a plan to not concede, and obviously when they go one 0 up, it's even harder to get anything from the game. But when you're putting seventy three crosses into the box, as obviously you've been, you've been a manager, when your when your game plan changes like that, what what does that suggest that I mean? the three of us could sit here and say, why are Rangers putting 73 crosses into a Livingston box with two-man mountains at the back? That's my first thought. Mm-hmm. What does that say, do you think, to, from a Rangers perspective, that it just seemed to be just trying and get the ball in to the mixer at any time? There's, there's no, as Lewis said, there was zero creativity. There was zero lack of a kind of attacking plan to try and cut Livingston open with the ball down low. What does that say to you, like, does that say that the there isn't a plan, or there's it's not what what really what is needed for a game like that?
1: I think the temptation always, if you've got a, a big striker, it, you know, if you're chasing a game, etc., is just getting in the box. But to me, that's if that amount of crosses, that is their game plan, as you say. But it, 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 it's a wrong one, really, in that sense. Um, I think. I talk about Celtic's squad depth, it's not the Air Rangers and you talk about Ryan Kent's form you know, and and I actually heard, you know, listen to another podcast the other day and they hit the nail on the head he plays every week regardless, you know whereas you look at Celtic, if it's not working for them after 45 minutes an hour, he just, he'll take three off and put three on and, and they're still doing the same uh, they're adding to it but they all know the same jobs and it works for them. Whereas I think with Rangers, there's there's players there that will start every week regardless. And I know that lots of teams have that. But I think, like you say, when when a, teams go to Ibrox or, or, or Celtic Park and, and want to sit in, you need to think of something different. Mm-hmm. And whether it's a change of personnel, a substitute, you know, Scott Wright, you know, I think he's, he's a divided opinion amongst the, amongst the Rangers fans. But I think he can create something, you know, and, and guys like that, do you give him uh, certainly like a game like yesterday? You know, chuck him on and go and go and see what he can do. Um, I think it's it's it obviously didn't work. Um, and psychologically, I, I think going into the game, the Celtic result maybe people may not want to say that, but the players will be looking out for that result. And I think you know, it all set up for way to drop points here, and then and then all of a sudden they don't. So you know, you're you're kicking off your game debt you need to win as you say you lose a goal and you're then chasing it but full credit to Livingston Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think he's done an incredible job and and keeps doing it and, and, and let's say full credit to them and I think sometimes when teams get results against the old firm it, it almost gets overlooked and it's all about how poor Celtic or Rangers are well let, let's give them credit as well
0: yeah absolutely I mean it's with Livingston I mean Lewis you were on at the start of the season where we'd we were talking about Livingston as this, the year, where they finally, they've run the race. But when you've got a manager like David Martindale, he just always seems to pull it out of the bag. And the red, even with the red card as well, now it is a red card, VAR interferes and gets that one spot on because it is a red card. But that it makes, a, it makes his job even harder because he's then, you've then got to, I mean, a team like Rangers, obviously it's no matter if they're not creating anything on the day, they still have the ball. Majority of the time. So you're not, you're always going to be backed up. And with 10 men, that's even more difficult. We saw that with Raiders earlier in the season against Hibs. They couldn't just let go of that pressure. David Martindale will be just frustrated not to get the victory, but what credit he deserves for that performance. Just getting in there with a game plan and to be fair to the defence, they did it, at, they defended with their lives and done it so, so well.
2: Yep, they're always incredibly well set up and he's doing it off one of the lowest budgets mm-hmm. that,
0: that probably the Scottish
2: Premiership's ever seen. You know, I actually had a, a one of my Rangers supporting pals mentioned to who was at the game on Saturday. He spoke to me afterwards and he said that he would take Joel Newbley in that Rangers team night now. <coughs> he was that impressed with him. Um, which you know is 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 huge credit to 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 Martindale. I mean I know he he spent a bit the time out on loan um new blade but uh, he's he seems to be enjoying a real um breakthrough season but yeah as he said as he said David Martindale he's got an incredibly good eye for a player, not necessarily a player that we will know much about um coming to Scottish football um but you know given the resources he's got and to go to you know one of the best teams in Scotland on their own patch and and frustrate them. You know the i thought you know incredible incredible um performance from from livingston yesterday and you know they'll be frustrated in the end that they couldn't hold on and claim that historic first uh first win at ibrox but uh he uh it's uh it's been a magnificent start again for livingston and um you know who's to say that they won't be able to continue it Um, you know they, they seem to get Written off as as you know relegation contenders every year, but uh, they always continue to defy the odds.
0: Yeah, and again for Rangers, we'll touch on Rangers next game later on. They they doesn't get any easier. They go to Napoli in the next game, and I if I was I would certainly be dreading that if I was a Rangers fan. But the next game we'll want to touch on is Coman that won Ross County now a massive game down at the bottom of the table. Danny Armstrong showing his worth this season's again another terrific goal. Gives Kilmarnock a vital three points. Paul, obviously your former team Ross County. If it wasn't for submarine scoring a winner, they'd be sat in bottom of the league. But it's another game where it shows the desperate lack of goals and just overall struggle.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a early season six pointer, really, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. um, no, it's a, a big three points for Kilmarnock, But as you say, it's it's not you know great reading for for Ross County. And um, you know, I, you could argue potentially they overachieved last year. But I think every year um, at that club, it, it's almost it, not say a rebuild, but you know there's there's a, a big turnover of players, and and that's you know it, it doesn't work, and um, it'll eventually come unstuck, and and that's what's happened in the past, and it did well to get back back into the into the. Premier League and, and you know it's, it's going to be a long season for them and um, I think you know they did incredibly well last year nobody can take that away from them for sure but and um, yeah lack of goals certainly um, is is always got to be the problem and uh, if you're not scoring you're not winning games and um, you know I think going down there they would have been looking to at least at least take a point and um, but it's that's like you say there. are and three points behind Comarnock now, so um, no, they've got, they've got a tough task ahead of themselves. Um, and, and you know, from a personal point of view, I hope they can get out of it for sure. But I think it's going to be very difficult. Yeah,
0: Lewis Comarnock. Can I switch gears to Comarnock? A massive result in Wednesday, uh, Tuesday to get into the semi-finals of the the Premier Sports Cup, and they rode the emotions into a, a weekend performance. It wasn't the best game, I think, for a neutral. I don't think there was a lot of. Really good football being played, but Comanot got the result. Danny Armstrong is a man of the moment, and just a massive three points. And one of those games, as Paul says, a, a really early relegation six-pointer. Where both teams just really need that victory just to give us a little bit of breathing space for the bottom of the league. And Comanot just just worked out to be a great week for Comanot so far.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's four unbeaten now at home, and um, three mm-hmm. wins during that run as well. So yeah. They, uh, they seem like they're, they're adapting back well to the top flight again after a bit of a, a stuffy start. Um, huge blow, of course, losing Kyle Lafferty as well. You know, he's mm-hmm. been their main talisman um, for for eight, uh, 10 games, I think it is. So, uh, as you said, it's up to guys like Danny Armstrong now. Your uh rolling <coughs> players that know the club, that have been around the club for a long time to really step up. Um, and Armstrong, he's... Uh, he was a very talented player. I must say, I watched him when he was um, at Wraith numerous times. Um, and just he, he looked like he could really cut it in the Scottish Premiership. He had that touch of quality. Um, and, you know, it was a brilliant running finish. Um, just the way he kind of guided the ball over the keeper into the, the top corner yesterday. He was excellent, I thought, against Dundee United as well on Tuesday night. And, um, yeah, you know, Kamarnik, the only way is up for them at the moment, I think, under Derek McInnes, um, who I thought, you know, was a good appointment at the time. He's kind of brought a, a degree of stability back to the club. Um, he's got them, obviously, into a cup semi-final. And, you know, I think, you know, if they can add maybe, you know, one or two added bits of quality in January, that they, they could potentially be, you know, borderline top six candidates with the with the way they're, they're playing. Um, as he said, Ross County, you know, Hugely disappointing for them. Paul, Paul's right in saying it's probably stemmed from their, their turnover. They haven't really been able to replace guys like Bo, Charles Cook from last season. Um, I think they've only scored was it six in their top in the first twelve matches. Yeah. Or something. It doesn't make for good reading for them. Um, you know it's a worrying spell. And as you said, you know the type of game like this at Rugby Park, you're looking at it a team kind of around them in the table. They need to be taken something from that because if you look at the next period of games I think they've got Hibs, Celtic, Hearts and St Mirren or something during that time and realistically you're looking at the St Mirren game that's a must three points because you're you're struggling to see um, where else they might pick up results from between now and the World Cup break
0: We'll move into the next game. A very even game at Fir Park, by all reports, but Aberdeen picked up their first away win of the season, a 2-1 win over Motherwell, which takes them to third in the league. Paul, as I say, very even game. I don't think both sides would have been... I think if you'd said this would be a draw, I think both sides would have took it. But Aberdeen just more clinical on the day. Obviously, the the first goal was, was helped by VAR, but Aberdeen were just a clinical team on the day.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, it's a, it's a great three points for them. Um, I know, so well it's, it's a what's that three defeats on the bounce for for Motherwell now? Which um, but I actually think over the years Aberdeen's record at Fir Parts not bad. But I think you know it's still as you say going into the game maybe a point they would have been happy with. But to get all three is great, and and to move them up to third, which you know speaking to a lot of Aberdeen fans, I, I don't think. I'm not saying they're, they're not um, impressed, but I think they still think they've got more to come. And and, and that's a good thing, I, I guess, as an Aberdeen fan. If you're sitting third and you still don't think you've, you've quite clicked. So I think there's still things to, to go on there. But in terms of Motherwell, like I say, it's a, it's a bad run they're on. Uh, but I think, I think Stevie Ham will turn it around. They had that initial bounce when he came in, which always happens. Um, but, you know, I think... I think he will do well uh, long-term with them and um, I don't think there's there's much to worry about there.
0: Lewis, Jim Goodwin said that physicality won the day in terms of Aberdeen. Eh, Murrow been a tough not to cry, but Aberdeen obviously, Duke with the winning goal, just that clinical edge they had on the day. Fair fair assessment for Jim Goodwin, you would say?
2: Yeah, I'd say so. Um, big three points, as, as Paul alluded to, um, given that away form hasn't made for, for great reading either. So um, to go down to... Park's always quite a difficult venue to kind of go in and grind a result out result in. Um, yeah, um, a couple of obviously talking points in the game. Should I, um, Motherwell been given the awarded a penalty right at the end? It looked to me like Anthony Stewart had his hands all over Ricky Lamy's jersey. Um,
0: yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a penalty.
2: Um, but uh, I, I, I talked about Aberdeen in. In the season preview we recorded, Scott, I I, I felt, I just had a feeling that with the players they brought in in the summer that they would be up there, back there, contending for that third place again. And I'm still hopeful because they brought in guys like Mm Miofsky and Duke in particular, um, Luis Lopez. He's been fantastic last couple of games, I thought. Um, His movement, his work rate, (coughs) he, he seemed to cover every blade of grass on that pitch, I thought he was outstanding. Um, and Miowski's goal as well, obviously initially flagged for offside, but VAR gets that one correct. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a sensational finish, you know. Yeah. Liam Kelly as well. It's not like he's he's um, you know he's you know he's he's down early or anything. He's still at full stretch to claw over him. It's just a fantastic piece of skill to to dink the ball over the keeper. Um so yeah, no, a huge result for for uh, Aberdeen given their their struggles on the road uh, in recent times. Motherwell, of course, will be disappointed with the, the goals they conceded, but um, I watched them a couple of weeks back, Scott, and uh, Stevie Hamill's got them playing some good football. Uh, I, I do believe they'll be okay. Um, I think Going through a bit of a bad patch at the moment, but uh, yeah. Uh, I just wanted to mention to Paul, Paul, did you th- always, when you played with Stevie Hamill at Motherwell, did, you, did he always strike you as a manager material?
1: Um, I always thought he a coach, yeah, for sure. Um, he's, he was certainly, I think MD has played with him. Um, he was a big character within the, the, the dressing room um, and very knowledgeable, great experience. And to, you know, when I was there, obviously he was coming towards the of end of his career as well. He, you know, started to take his his coaching badges. So I always knew it was something he he was keen to do. Um, and and like I say, he's. He's got the respect and the, I guess the love of the fans in a sense. So that that starts you off on a good foot. And like I say, he did get that initial bounce um, with a few good results. So, um, it's a, it's, I guess, is everything. And it's also his first real, real managerial uh, position. So, it's, um, you know, interesting to see how you bounce back from from a few defeats and, and see what he does. But no, I'm, i like I say, I, I think he, he will do well uh, long term and given the time. And I think, I think he'll get it for sure. Um. Because of his status as a player at the club, I think he will get that time. Um, but as like I'm um, agreement with you I, I think they'll be fine.
0: Next game of the weekend, St. Marin climbed to fourth a compelling contest against the United 2 1. VR selled its part to play as well. The St. Marin got a goal disallowed just before Alex Graves sealed the winner just before the end of the game. oh you were at the game. What was your overall assessment on the the game as a whole?
2: Um, St Mirren deserved winners, Scott. Um, really, It's a, it a really good game, actually. A really good game of football. Two teams uh, closely matched on paper, you'd say, squad-wise. But uh, they, they really went at it. I thought St Mirren, you know, they're, they're creating some really good opportunities. Curtis Main and, and Jonah Iunga um, up front, they're a, they're a real handful um, to, to defend against. it. Dundee United looked a bit lost, I think, you know, given the fact that they had a disappointing result. Uh, on the, on Tuesday night, they kind of never really kind of made a serious impression on this game, uh, in all honesty. Um, it changed when Stephen Fletcher came off the bench. He kind of lifted them a bit. But, you know, St Mirren were good value for the win yesterday, possibly could have scored a couple of more. The woodwork denied them three times during the game. Um, and, and obviously the VAR decision, as he mentioned, uh, on initial viewing, uh, couldn't get my head round it we were all a bit mythed as to what the actual decision was for turns out Bacchus has obviously caught um hitch with his with, with his trailing arm mm-hmm. so a bit of a strange call I personally still don't think it was enough to um rule out the goal but uh no St Mirren um deserved winners I thought Dundee United look a team short of confidence at the moment. Um, Don't get me wrong, they've got a couple of really good players. I thought Behitch in particular um, looks a really, really good talent. It's the first time I've seen him uh, up close. He's got a a great touch and great eye for a pass as well. So um, I think Liam Fox is a bold appointment as well, given his lack of uh, managerial experience. I know he's been in and around the coaching scene for a while, um, but to go into a club the size of Dundee United as your first gig um, it will be a tough task, I think.
0: I thought Fletcher, Stephen, Stephen Fletcher, come on, obviously get the equaliser as well, but it certainly did right, look a different team when he came on, Lewis.
2: He did, yeah, yeah. He's still, you know, despite his age now, he's coming into the latter stages of his career, but he's still got that you know, real bit of quality when you need to. I think, you know, the composure he displayed to kind of side-foot the ball home in, a, in amongst a crowded penalty area, for the equaliser was particularly impressive, and you know Dundee United they, they they changed their shape slightly. Um, N- N- I think it was he N- brought off. Um, it was pretty ineffective throughout the match, and um, stuck uh, Fletcher up front, and uh, he made a real real difference. I think he's a huge figure as well in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. Given there's a lot of um kind of younger lads in and around him. So Leon Fox did touch on that afterwards as well. Um, and uh. Yeah, no, I think uh, having him fully firing um, will be important.
0: Paul, there's two different kind of sides of that. These two teams. I think with St. Marin, you've got Stephen Robinson. Obviously, last week he's been linked with the Northern Ireland job. He's a man in demand. I think going from that interview, there's that he's not really focused on it, but he's getting the best out of a a, a group of players that you would say maybe aren't can I, certainly aren't top six level. You would you would say on paper, but on the other hand. Liam Fox does have that squad where he does have a kind of top six calibre squad in paper, and there's just something missing. What's the kind of big differences between the two sides you've thought so far this season?
1: Well, I think first and foremost, Steve Robinson, we talk about uh, Davy Martindale, how well he's done. So we've got to give credit to, to Stevie Robinson. I think the first few results of the season, you know, there was a bit of unrest there, and, he, and he's just shown. But I think the front two, as you just touched on Lewis, are a, are a handful for anyone, and they, and they showed that. Um, you know when the beat settled out a few weeks ago. And I just think like <laughs> you yeah, know, you look at United's Squad how many times over the years have people said on paper a team should be doing this and, and whatever. So but you have to go out on the pitch and do it. But I think you're right, Stephen Fletcher, um he's a quality player. Quality player, he's got that experience and yeah as you get a bit older the, the legs might go, etc. But you've still got that quality there. So if you can get the younger players to have the energy rounding about him. Um I think you know he's a he's a key player for them. Um and yeah, coming coming off the bench and scoring, obviously not getting picking up the points, but I think he's got to be a big player for them in the in the season to come. Mm-hmm.
0: Lewis, is there any any speculation do you think regarding Robinson going to Northern Ireland? Do you think it is just paper talk or is there maybe more
2: to it? We we asked him afterwards um for his take on it and he said that there's been no contact whatsoever um, and, you know, it, he believes it is paper talk. He said, if anything, we'll probably hear something before him. Um, you can see why he's in the running um, for it, given you know his experience. Um, he's a top, top manager. Uh, but at the moment, I feel like he's building something really positive at St Mirren at the moment. Um I touch on um, just off-air there about the the amount of options they've now got up front as well. I can't remember a Submarine team uh, in the past having so many Mm -hmm. different uh, attacking options. Now, you you, you brought on Alex Grieve yesterday. Anytime I see Alex Grieve, I think he looks um, fantastic. Great movement for the goal. Um, And Eamon Brophy, who can't really get a sniff this season. Um, We know his talents as well, obviously, getting into the the Scotland internationals. I think, yes, under Stephen Robinson, I feel like, you know, considering he's he's not been at the club for a huge amount of time, I still feel like he's in the midst of a a, a, a project here and um, I'm not sure the Northern Ireland job at this stage in his career would be enough to, to
0: lure him away. And St Martin are sitting fourth on the table so he's certainly a good reason to stay. The final game of, well, the I was actually the first game of the weekend in the Premiership, but it's the final game we're going to talk about. Hibs won St. Johnson 2. Hibs had a really good start to the game for the first 60 minutes. I thought Hibs were, were really, really good. Kyle McGuinness gets sent off with 20 minutes to go and the game changed completely on its axis at that point. Nicky Clark and Stevie May scoring together. St. Johnson a huge three points and a 2-1 victory and a big comeback. Paul, I think it's very, very simple to say that. Hibs were brilliant up until the red card and then St. Johnson just took advantage of it.
1: Yeah, and it's... That's a, that's a- very much three points loss. You know, you're going into the game, sitting in third. You want a, a home game against St Johnston. They're, they're going in. you know, must be confident of winning that. Um, but yeah, sending us, changed the game clearly. And As if you're St Johnston, obviously great result, great three points. Stevie May coming off the bench again and, and coming up with the goods, which he's done so many times in the past for, for St Johnston. And yeah, no, a great three points, but I think think heads will be, be really disappointed with that one.
0: Lewis, any any disagreement with that? I think there's I think that's a very accurate statement that it was it was one of those games that just turned whenever the red card played its part.
2: Yep. Yeah, I think um, the important thing for St Johnson, I mean obviously Kyle get is getting sent off for for two very really needless challenges. The second one in particular, it's it's I think I'm right. I think it's in the middle of the park. He just doesn't need to make it. And um, but I think for St. John'son, you know, given the fragility last season, um, Scott, you know, it's the type of game going one 0 down at Easter the Road. They could easily have capitulated. Um, and albeit you know the, the sending off has helped them. Um they've they've really kind of dug deep and and managed to grind out results. Hibbs will be hugely disappointed. It's two simple crosses into the box that they can't defend. Two two very good headers, I must say. I thought mm. Nicky Clark's one in particular was, was very good. Um, but, you know, St. Johnson this season, I think Callum Davidson recruited well in the summer. We're starting to see that now. He's got a bit more options that you can call on, even from the bench this season. I think he brought on the likes of Jamie Murphy, David Wallerspoon there. these <coughs> a good top professionals for the Scottish Premiership. And I think... Um, you know, St. Johnson. That's a a big win for them there. That's the type of game last season that they,
0: they would have lost. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a big three points for St. Johnson. Habs, although they're sitting okay, I thought obviously at the start of the season they really struggled. They went on a good run, but this week been a difficult week for them, obviously. But losing losing at home. And then obviously last last weekend I thought they were real I thought the performance last weekend was embarrassing, actually. But they did seem to pack up from that. I think it is going to be weird for Hibs. I think that at times we're going to see Hibs playing some terrific stuff, but they're going to be exposed. Exposed sometimes as well, especially against better teams. And I think we saw that last weekend. So I think Hibs could be a bit of a, a you kind know, of one week that could be great, next week they could be terrible, and I think that's just going to be Hibs this season. But we'll move into the championship. We'll just go through the results, and I'll ask you for your result of the weekend. Our broth one Hamilton now. A United two. Cove Rangers two. Dundee nil, Morton nil, Inverness one, Wraith Rovers one, Patrick Thistle nil, Queen's Park four. Paul, the t- the tightest league in the world, keeps on giving <laughs> two wins, three draws. And just what was your result of the weekend? Because it's a weird league this season. Yeah,
1: very much so. I'd go our both. Um talk about um six pointers, etc. But you know, that's certainly if Hamilton win that game there they Almost cut a drift. Okay. So it's it's a great win for them. It gets them off the foot of the table. Does that kickstart them to uh, to improve things? You know what a season they had last year, and and it was always going to be the case. Could they could they replicate that? And it was always going to be difficult for them, um, and it's been a struggle. So I think that's a big three points for them. Hamilton, they you know it's it's not great for them. That's. I know they got their win last weekend, but you know they've been poor of late, and, and they'll be really disappointed with that one. But yeah, go with that just, just purely, just if, to see if that can kickstart our growth season.
0: Lewis, I think the winners of the weekend in that league are definitely Queens Park. I've won that win at Partick Thistle, and Inverness drawing means it's it's tight again. There's only two. There's only a point between first and third. Aaron and Morton are also creeping behind. There's only there's only three points between first and sixth.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think many people saw that result coming yesterday. Particularly um by all accounts it seemed like Ian McCall was very pleased with the team the way his team played in the first half. It seemed like they created enough opportunities to miss a penalty
0: as well. Yeah,
2: yeah, to go in two or three up. Um so what happened in the second half to collapse the way they did, um uh, was a bit of a, a surprise. I thought, you know, even in midweek against Aberdeen, albeit they were comfortably beaten in the end I thought they showed up well at times and spells during the game uh, particularly at the start of the second half so yeah no that's a, a huge result for Queen's Park and obviously a lot going on behind the scenes there at the moment mm-hmm. um, as well so they could easily be distracted by by things like that but uh, they picked up a couple of impressive results so far early doors and um, and they look like uh, a team that could be certainly in amongst the, the promotion mix um, if they can can sustain this run that they're on. Um, I think for, for Thistle in particular, the important thing for them will be the way they react now. They've obviously got the game against United on Tuesday night and at Somerset. McCall going back to, to one of his yeah. former clubs, so that'll be a huge game for them. But uh, no Queen's Park deserve a
0: lot of credit. Yeah, absolutely. A massive three points for Queen's Park and as well, as as Paul says, growth of everybody knows how much a fan I am, of Dick Campbell. And I think he's been unlucky this season. But to get that win, as you say, I think they could have been in serious trouble if that result would went the other way, as Paul said. So, again, just have, this league is that I, you're not going to see any away with this league. This is going to be this is going to go down to the final day with probably four teams in the mix. This is going to be an ent- entertaining season all round. League one, Clyde one, Queen of the South two, Falkirk two, Kelty three, FC Edinburgh three, Airdrie one, Montrose two, Dunfermline nil and Peterhead nil, Alloa two. Lewis, the result that jumps out to me immediately as Montrose ended in Firmland's unbeaten start for the season. Yeah, yeah,
2: huge result for, for Montrose. I I think Stuart Petrie is a top, top manager. I really do. I, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised that he's still at Montrose. He hasn't been um, snapped up by by another club, but I think actually he was rumored for the Dunfermline job before James mm-hmm. McPate came in. Um, okay, yeah, 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 he he, uh, he does incredibly well with what he has to to work with. You know, um, I think he, and, and impressively from over the last couple of seasons they've used the loan market particularly mm-hmm. well. Um, I know they've managed to get in a couple of boys from St. Johnson and things like that, and they seem to have really made a difference. It was young Matty Wright from Ross County, I think, that scored both the goals yesterday. Um, so that will be something that's particularly pleasing for them. But, yeah, disappointing result for Dunfermline, given the, the start uh, they've made to the campaign.
0: Paul, one team that jumps out to me as well for the stunning run is Kelty Hearts, going to Falkirk in one and 1-3-2, and that's a fourth league one in a row it uh, looked really bleak for Kelly at the start of the season, but now 12 points from four games and they're now sitting seventh and a lot of breathing space behind in front of Clyde and Peterhead, who obviously lost again this weekend.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think the way they've came into the the, the leagues, um what they did in in league two getting and the way they sort of blitzed their way uh, through that. I think people just thought they'd continue maybe on the same trajectory as is what Cove have done, you know. Um but you know, poor start to the season. I think surprised a lot of people, so they're, they're they're probably coming good now and showing where where they probably think they should be hitting form and, and you know like the rest of us looking on think they, they should be and change a manager. Um, I think at a time where it was a bit of a surprise, um, is always a, a difficult one as well. I think and um, so no, I think I think um, you know they're on a good run, so um, hopefully it continues for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that league too, it's another league. It gives a bit of breathing space as well for for a, like Clyde and Peterhead, Lewis. They're really going to struggle now, aren't they? That's two, another two defeats, and it's now looking very bleak for them.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I said in, the, again, the season preview that I thought Peterhead were just nailed on for relegation this season, uh, and I stick by that. They, uh, they've they struggled massively so far. Um, they just don't look like winning At all, um, in all honesty. You know, you look at a game yesterday at home to Allaway, you're thinking, you know, chance here to pick up a point or maybe um, grapple three. But uh, yeah, no, I don't see where um, they're buying a win at the moment. And as you said, Clyde, I think that's nine defeats in a row. So uh, Danny Danny Lennon's going to be under huge pressure there to keep his job.
0: We'll move. We'll touch quickly in the Scottish Cup. Just obviously a couple of results that I want to get your thoughts on. Lewis, in particular you, Fraserburgh beating Stranraer. Was that the result of the weekend for you?
2: Yes, yes, massively, massively. yep. um, a, a great result. I think Fraserburgh. I've got a, a a good record at the Bell's Lee against SPFL opposition over the last couple of years. They've they've claimed the scalps of uh, Montrose. I think the last couple of years, you know, they've always managed to pick up a big win so uh, yeah I thought uh, beating Stranraer yesterday uh, who had been going okay in uh, League 2 um, was a particularly impressive result um, and I hope fingers crossed that they, uh, they get a big team in the, the third round
0: Paul was there any results in the Scottish Cup that caught your eye I'm just look, looking through the kind of Highland teams Bucky obviously went out to Broomhall at home for Martin your old club or uh, beat Karnoosti obviously Turriff uh, lost a to pace as a a couple of Highland League, but obviously Fraserburgh would be the big winners of
1: the weekend in that league, I'd imagine. Yeah, for sure. I think um, any team from Highland, Lowland, whatever, if you if you can beat SPFL opposition, it's it's a big result. And and yeah, as Lewis says, uh, Beresley's a very very difficult place to go. I I know, I know that. Um, and and Fraser, but I certainly used that to their advantage, and, and it showed yesterday with with the result. And and I think I mean looking for Martin as well. It, it was you expect them to go through, um, looking mm-hmm. at the teams, but it could all, always be a sticky one going away to, to a team like Cornoustie. Uh, so you know, fair play to them for, for getting through. Um, and I, I was a little bit surprised at the, the tariff result, to be honest. I, I thought they would have, have uh, taken care of Danny Pace, but but it wasn't to be. So no, it was a bit of mixed fortunes. Uh, I and mean, obviously, but like you say with Bucky um, losing out to Bremer, also it was mixed fortunes for the for the home league, certainly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But we've got action coming up this week in the the Champions League and the Europa Conference League. Big game for Celtic, obviously, to try and get, stay in Europe in some capacity. They host Shakhtar Donetsk. A win would mean they they still have a slight chance of getting Europa League football, but a defeat would mean, obviously, elimination from Europe as a whole. Paul, what do you think? Can Celtic get a result at home on Tuesday night?
1: I think they can. I think they can. I think, uh, I know you can argue that he hasn't changed his his uh, style of play in, in the Champions League. And, and some, you know, Fair play, he, he's went and had a go at it, right? You know, but some people might disagree with that, um, but I think it it can be exciting at times and the, the energy the team's got and, and the way that they play is, is great. So, no, I, I certainly think they, they can get a result and it, it's like you say, it's, it's a must win, really, if they're looking to stay in Europe. So... Um, you know, I'm sure the, the fans will get right behind them and, and you know, it's cliches as anything, but they're, they're like a 12-man settling a, a European night for sure. So, um, no, I, th- I think they can they can get a result on, on Tuesday.
0: Lewis, what do you think? Celtic, do you fancy them at home to Shaktar?
2: I do, yeah. I don't see any reason why they can't um, get a positive result. I think, you know, what's that, 14 goals in the last three games, they are scoring... <laughs> You know, that's that's obviously been their Achilles heel. It'll be it'll be a strange feeling, I think, for Celtic fans this season. You know, it's great to obviously being back in the Champions League, but given the amount of chances they've competed well in pretty much every game, and given the amount of chances they've created as well and not taking them, um, will be a, a huge disappointment because you're looking at, you know, if they do manage to, to to take a couple of those, then they might not be sitting on one point. They could be looking at challenging for second. You know, so it'll be it'll be a, a frustrating one to look back on. But yes, it's Shakhtar at home. You know, Shakhtar. I think they've got a good record of qualifying for the Champions League. They're, uh, you know, I think they obviously lost. With the situation out there in Ukraine, they obviously lost uh, a lot of uh, Brazilian, the better Brazilian mm-hmm. players, which is a blow. But um, they've got a couple of really c- top quality players. I think you know they need to keep the the boy Mudrik quiet. Certainly, yeah, yeah. He was uh, he was particularly impressive um, over in in Poland, so um, he'll be one that they need to to keep an eye out on. But yeah, no, I think Celtic have enough quality to to come away. I'm going two one.
0: 2-1, big call, I, I, do, I do think Celtic could win, I think they've, they've nothing to lose That's what, what's, what's the harm, go for it try and get something out of the game Shakhtar, as you say, I like, really like the boy Mudrik I think he is going to be a top, top player and I think Celtic have got a big chance of getting a result, but one team I do not think of any chance of getting a result is Rangers, they go to Naples on Wednesday night, a really high-flying Napoli team sitting top of Serie A I think through, I think they're already through in the. I think they're already through in the group. Top class team, Paul. I could not think of two teams more different in terms of form at the moment. Napoli flying, Rangers certainly aren't. These dark clouds are gathering round. Ibrox could they be opened up even more on Wednesday night if as a result is as bad as we fear?
1: Sometimes it's when you least expect that a team <laughs> pick up a result. But no, I think I think you're you're right here. Uh, I, I can't see them getting a result over there. It's it's going to be very difficult, and I think you know the results in in Europe have been have been poor this year. And like we've touched on, even the performances of late in, in, in domestic football, uh, you know, hasn't been to to many people's liking, and it, it's been a struggle. So I think this is only going to add to to Giovanni Van Bronckhorst at the moment. Yeah,
0: Lewis, if. If the result is what we think it could be, what could that do to, to Giovanni van Bronckhorst? Oh, hugely damaging.
2: Um, it's a difficult one to say, Scott, because, you know, Rangers have got the stat. don't know if you, you've noticed it. Minus 15 goal difference in the group. They're only four goals away yeah. from conceding to become the, the worst team ever in the Champions League group stages. Um, that's obviously something they'll be desperate to avoid, but... You know, they're coming up against Napoli side who uh, have been free scoring of late. They're absolutely scoring for fun, I think, in Serie A as well the last couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. um, it's going to be incredibly difficult. And I think, you know, I-, I can't see them getting anything at all from this match. I really can't. And what it might mean for Van oh, I, I you know, there's a, the Rangers board in the past haven't acted too deliberately you know they've always kind of bided their time um but i don't know i don't know depending on the obviously they don't want to to capitulate the way they did against liverpool in that second half um if they can go over there and put on a decent showing and and you know maybe go down one or two by two goals but um he's he's on a shuggley peg he's on a shuggley peg um and uh a, another heavy defeat could could be the end of his, his tenure.
0: It could be a very bad night for Rangers. I think you've you've got a team with like Napoli and they're drawn now now with Roma as we speak. So they're not they're they're maybe getting into this game, maybe looking to, to hurt an opponent, not getting a goal against a Jose Mourinho team. I think Jose Mourinho will be setting up. I think Giovanni Van Broncos needs to with Rangers obviously they've nothing to play for. They're not they're not getting anything out of this European campaign and I think it probably be beneficial to focus on domestic because Europeans are out of the window for me this season but in terms of Rangers we, we saw this last season, Rangers can Giovanni van Bronckhorst can tactically adapt to a, a European game that's why Rangers done so well last season in Europe but it's, it's that thing as well Paul that I'm sure you'll agree with that when you're in that situation, when you're getting booed off the when you're getting booed off the park it always seems to me it's when not if, and that's the thing for me. Like ah, uh, I don't think this could come at a worse time for Van Bronckhorst going up against a team like Napoli.
1: I think you're right. It's it's almost a when and not if, and it would, it would take something extreme for him to turn it around. Uh, to be honest, looking in, looking in on it, um, and. Yeah, going go there and, and Wednesday night is going to be very difficult. But, you know, like you alluded to last season, they did show in European football how they, they, they changed the way they played and, and the way they, they set up. Um, but you're then going Champions League. It's just that that, that step up again. Um, and as results have shown, um, that they're, they're off it a little bit. So, um, no, I think it's going to be very difficult. And as you say... Will you know? Will Rangers pull the trigger if they were to lose? Depends on the manner. I think you know if if you go down fighting, you know might might see fit another day. But like you say, if it, if it's along the lines of the, the Liverpool performance, then it, yeah, it's it wouldn't look good. Yeah, a team that's got nothing to lose in
0: Thursday night is Hearts. They face uh, RFS, I believe it's called. Lewis, they have nothing to lose. It's. They've still got a small chance of qualifying. They would need Fiorentina to lose away. I think, no, Fiorentina are at home, I think, like the last game. So yeah. it's looking like it's going to be a an early exit for Hearts, but they have nothing to play for. They beat this team in Latvia. They should be fancying their chances to get a result at home, especially yeah, after their performance on Saturday.
2: Yeah, hugely. I think, you know, Robbie Nielsen will obviously do a lot of video analysis on that Celtic game, and there's plenty of positives for him to take. From the match, um, yeah, fancy Hearts to, to rack up a big win. Actually, I think four or five. I really do. I don't think RFS are are up to much. I know they had a, a good result against Fiorentina in the first game, mm-hmm. uh, at a point, but they've you know they've they've struggled since then. Um, and uh, no, I just I just think you know if Hearts um it, they'll be frustrated. I think they'll be a wee bit frustrated. You know, there's a feeling going into that Fiorentina game that they could potentially have, have, have snuck a result. Um, at uh, Sorry, I'm talking about the home leg um, at, at Tyne Castle, but, you know, they would be really disappointed with that night. Um, again, over in Florence last, uh, was it last week, They again, just leaking goals, which mm. will be a huge cause for concern. But obviously, um, this team from Latvia aren't up to, to the standard uh, Fiorentina are. So, uh, no, I'll be confident of Hearts,
0: getting a, a big win under the belt Paul would you think do you fancy hearts to get a, a home result
1: yeah I think so I think you have to be confident especially like you say, the result they had over there and then you know having them at Time Castle, I'm sure it'll be a, a full house and the uh, fans behind them so no I, I fully expect them to pick up the win um, and yeah, like you say, you're always hopeful of, of results elsewhere. But, um, you know, all you can do at this point is as a Hearts team is take care of your own result and then see what happens.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a, an interesting week. It could be it could be very good. It could be very bad. But as always, it'll be intriguing. We are going to wrap up the show there. I want to thank Lewis for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure as always.
2: Thanks very much, Scott. Yeah, really enjoyed it.
0: Pleasure. And to our special guest this week, Paul Watson. Paul, thank you very much for coming on. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure
1: no thanks Scott really enjoyed it myself
0: thank we couldn't have picked better weeks so it's been a thoroughly entertaining <laughs> weekend and no doubt VR will mean it'll be every Sunday will be the same thank you very much to everyone that's tuned in please follow us on social media for more consistent Scottish football coverage this week and as well on our YouTube and podcast channels thanks very much everyone we'll see you soon cheers